0: Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service.
1: We talked uh, at the start here about all of the craziness of 2021, all of the things that have happened, so many that we could never have predicted. (laughs) One thing that uh, I started doing a little bit in 2021 that was not one of my better choices was to... uh, be on Facebook a little bit more. I had never had one before, uh, never had a Facebook account before, and it, I think it was last year actually that I got it, but I've been keeping up with it a little more this year. And when I say keeping up with it, I mean like checking it for two minutes once a week maybe. But uh, nothing, nothing specifically against Facebook is a good tool. I am not gonna be one of those preachers that gets up here and preaches against it. But uh, one thing that I was amazed at is how much disunity there is. <laughs> All you need to do is turn on the news, turn on Facebook, social media, whatever it is, talk to somebody. And you'll see that we aren't in agreement right now. America is a very divided nation that we live in. And unfortunately, I have to say, it has crept into our churches. We have divided churches. There I even say open Bible sometimes and in some ways can fit that description. And it's amazing to me what we fight over. It is. I mean, just, just with Facebook, some, somebody can post a meme. They can, they can put out a joke, and somebody has to feel like they correct it. Isn't it so funny how fast we feel like we need to correct somebody else? <laughs> and, and, and by the way, please, I am, I am not preaching against Facebook. All right? Facebook is not the problem. If you think it is, you've missed the point, because this has existed as long as humanity has existed. <laughs> the only thing Facebook did is let me argue with people all around the world whenever I want. It used to be whoever's in the room with me I could argue with. Now it's, it's whoever I want to around the world. <laughs> And I think it's funny, because if you have been here at all in the last seven months, chances are you have probably heard somebody preach on the topic of unity. <laughs> that has been the most common theme that we've heard here at Open Bible in the last six or seven months. And I've been thinking about that. What's the big deal about unity anyway? I mean, it's a, it's a nice church word, but what does that even mean? I could get up here and I could say, man, we need to be Unified. I'd get some amens. But why? But how? One of my little pet peeves as a preacher is all of the preachers who get up, and I'm not picking on any particular preacher or anything that we've heard recently, but the preachers who get up and they tell you what to do, but they don't tell you how. They tell you, we need to do this. Okay, that's nice. I agree with you, but teach me how. That's, kind of your, that's why you're up there. So I've been thinking about that, unity, what's the big deal? So I I, I would title a little study here tonight, Thinking Like Jesus, Thinking Like Jesus, and I said, well, why is unity even so important? Well, it's because unity is what we were made for. Unity is what we were made for. Go figure, if you know me at all, I'm going to start off in Genesis 1, but you can actually go to John chapter 1, because I want to compare something there. And you go all the way back to the very beginning at creation there was unity god is a unified being and he created a unified creation in that garden that we were situated in man and woman were unified together and humanity was unified with god And if you were there in John chapter 1, what does that first verse of the book say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. By the way, John was a Jewish man who knew his Hebrew scriptures very well, so he's tying you back to Genesis 1 when he says those three words, in the beginning, they should sound familiar to you. And he talks about that unity that God had. I heard someone just this week describe that pre-creation state as an eternal community of love. I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. (laughs) I'm not even entirely sure what that looks like, aside from saying it's God. He is an eternal community of love. And we lived in unity with him and with each other, but what happened? Disunity came in because we chose our own way. That has been and will always be the case that problems arise when I think I know what is best. And I choose what is good for me regardless of how it affects you. And that is what that first man and woman did. And that's what we continue to do every day of our lives so often. The disunity that we see around us, the fighting, the bickering, the war, metaphorical wars that we have with people. It's because of putting ourselves over other people putting what I want first. And that is how we live. So many of our days get spent focusing on me. Oh, well, we don't think about that, right? We, we think, oh yeah, I'm humble, I'm a Christian, I, I think about other people, I care about other people, but didn't James say, where do wars come from? They come from you, you. Fighting and consuming and fighting over your own lusts. Eh, That's not necessarily a sexual word. It just means stuff you want. We all think that we know what is best, don't we? (laughs) I mean, that's why we believe it. (laughs) I wouldn't believe something that I didn't think was best. And you wouldn't believe something that you didn't think was right and best. Uh, But sometimes you and I conflict. And so that means that one or maybe even both of us is wrong. But so often we don't stop to think about that we just continue pushing on demanding what i think is best and maybe we don't say that out loud but we live it in our own hearts we get stuck on that we focus on that too much and that was the message of humanity for thousands of years as sure as you read your bible you see these little pockets of people who started to experience unity with god people who who were willing to put themselves aside and be used of god serve God. People throughout the Bible like David, like Abraham, like Moses. And by the way, those people weren't super saints. You know, yes, we have a, a hall of faith, we call it in, in Hebrews 11, but these people were just like you and me. I mean, they would be sitting here in the pew or maybe they'd be up here, but they, they, they didn't have a halo around them. They were normal people that the Bible says are four-hour examples Funny thing is it doesn't say whether it's a good example or a bad example, because sometimes it was both of those. In fact, a lot of times it was the bad examples because they were human. But there are people who chose to put aside their own desires, their own wants, their own demands to be unified with God. These little flickering lights throughout history. And then one day, God appeared to a man named Isaiah while he was minding his own business. And he said, there's going to be a child born. And his name is going to be Emmanuel. That's a good Hebrew word. Im is the Hebrew word with. It's a preposition. "Nu" is their uh, word for us. It's a personal pronoun. And then El is their word for God. If we have any superhero fans in here and you know Superman's real name was Kal-El, the guys who created Superman were Jewish so el meaning god they created a being with god-like powers cal l so ima or as we americanize it emmanuel god with us or with us god literally we've just talked about it, and yes i am one of those people that keeps christmas going for at least a week or two after the day i cannot put everything away yes our tree is still up and it is not here That bugs me. But But I'm one of those people that always has to keep Christmas going a little bit. But can I tell you that whether your tree is up or down, the message of Christmas keeps going. The message of Christmas is Emmanuel, Emmanuel, is God with us, with us God. The fact that throughout all of human history, we were separated from God since the garden, that we had forfeited that, and that was only here and there that we saw people who experienced God with them. Or, or, or after, um, after the time of Moses and you had the tabernacle and then you had the temple in the days of David, you had to go there if you wanted to experience God's presence. Like, Have you ever stopped and think about, thought about that? We live in, in the 20th and 21st centuries. All we have known is going to church every week. All we have known is if you don't like this church, there's another one down the road. But that's not the way people lived for most of human history. If you wanted to experience God, you had to go to Jerusalem. And if you lived far away from Jerusalem, well, too bad. You were going to travel there if you wanted to experience God. How incredible then to Isaiah that he would hear about God with us. Not somewhere we have to go travel and see. Not somewhere special that we have to go visit. But God, where we are right now. That's a comforting thought, it's also kind of a scary thought because you know, only certain people could go into the temple, right? There were um, rituals that they had to follow to, to be pure, to be clean for this, to be holy for that. But now, you don't need to wear special kind of clothing, you don't have to go to a certain kind of altar, you don't need to wash your hands a certain way or sacrifice a certain animal to be in God's presence, you just need to be. <laughs> And you are in the presence of God. That's incredible. And when Jesus came, that was God with us. That was his presence. And that is incredible. Sometimes people ask the question, what do you think it would be like to live in the time of Jesus? Well, that could be fun to think about, right? Imagine being able to walk with Jesus, ask him all of your questions about the Bible, ask him your questions about God and heaven and this. But you know what's interesting is that when Jesus started talking to his disciples about saying that he was, going to, he was going to die and he was going to eventually leave them, he said he was going to send a comforter. And he said, it is actually better for you that I depart, that the comforter can come. So while we can have these nice little dreams of, oh, man, I would love to walk with Jesus. I'd love to meet Matthew and, and to see this miracle. Now, you realize that's actually not the better option? Do you realize that those people who did that would actually say that we have it better than them? But, but they got to be with Jesus. Yes, but Jesus was in one place. If you wanted to experience Jesus, you had to go find him. He was limited to a section. He limited himself to a section of the earth while he was here. But when he went to heaven, when he sent the comforter, the Holy Spirit, we call him, to us, oh, well, we don't have to go find Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit living with us. We have God with us every single day. And Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. I've scratched my head at that sometimes. I said, how could I do a greater? I mean, I've never walked on water. <laughs> I've, never, I've never fed 5,000 people with, with a few loaves and fishes. <laughs> but I have the Holy Spirit living in me. And I get to serve here in Williamstown, New Jersey. At the same point that Sun Chow, who has the Holy Spirit living in him, got to serve in Singapore. The same point that Christians all around the world today are serving God. God's work is going forth through all of us at the same time. All around the world, greater works, because it's all at once. Everywhere God is working. And we can be unified through that. You realize it is through Jesus that we can even talk about unity. That God has unified us to him. He has brought us back to him and so that gives us reason to be unified together this has been a little heady maybe a little ethereal so you say let's bring this down a little bit sometimes we talk about unity and we make it sound like it is the the main thing that you're supposed to be doing but have you ever noticed when we say you have to be unified there's this little word there that's be that means it's not an active verb You are not the one who unifies. Do you ever catch that? Unity is not your job. Unity is the product. Unity isn't something you do, it's the result of something you do. And it is not simply agreement. Sometimes we think of unity as meaning, oh, I agree with with these people. Okay, that's good. But to what end? I could be walking in Walmart and I could see a guy wearing a Star Wars shirt. I could nod my head down and say, cool shirt, bro. Keep walking. For that moment, I was unified. We had a common interest, something that united us. I'm never going to see that guy again. I couldn't care less. I don't even know what his name is. We might have been agreed in something that we liked, but that's not true unity. That's not where we stop as Christians. What is it that gets us together, church? Is it that you like the hymns that we sing here? Or that you like the modern songs we sing here? Or you like the way we dress or you like the way we preach or you like the way the church looks guess what all that stuff can change because it's based on people you can go find some other church that does that too what brought you here what connects you to me jesus that is our unifying theme. I mean, think about this, guys. How many of you would know me if it weren't for church? How many of you would I know if it weren't for church? I mean, seriously. Do we go the same places? Do we play the same sports? Do we watch the same movies? Do we, like, seriously, where, where would most of us ever connect? Some of us have... Not a lot in common, right? We go, (laughs) barely anything. But we have Jesus. And if, if it is Jesus that connected us in the first place, church, listen to me. It is Jesus that needs to keep us connected for every day after that. See, you can get united around... Oh, I like these Christians who listen to this type of music. I like these Christians who use this version of the Bible. I like these Christians who are vaccinated. You know what? I like these Christians who aren't vaccinated. I like these Christians who wear a mask. I like these Christians who don't wear a mask. If that's what unifies you, you've missed the point. Because those things change. What unifies us is Jesus. And he never changes. Please take a minute and turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the churches in Philippi. And he is in prison. And he has a message to them of what it means to seek unity and what it takes to achieve that. He says in Philippians chapter 2, If there be therefore... Any consolation in Christ, that, that is, any, any encouragement, any good thing, if there, if there is anything worth following Jesus for, is what he's saying, if you believe at all in this, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, that's a compassion, if, any, if anything worth caring about other people for, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him. He's given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You say, how in the world am I supposed to seek this unity? If, if that isn't the action, if that's the product, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to follow Jesus' example. In a lot of ways, Adam was a representative of the bad things about us. <laughs> we make bad choices just like he did. We, we choose our own way over God's way far too often. I mean, his, his name means human, right? So I think he's supposed to be a representative for us. But interestingly enough, there's a title for Jesus that we don't use very often, but it's the second Adam. Or sometimes it's called the last Adam because he is the perfect human. He's 100% God, 100% man. He did everything that the first Adam was supposed to do, but he did it right. I think the key to this passage is in verse 6 and 7. It's really funky old English, so let's make this a little more understandable. Looking at verse 6, Jesus, who was in the form of God, he, he was himself very God. He didn't try to grasp at more. He was content where he was. You say, well, what are you talking about? Why is that important? Because that's the exact opposite of what Adam did. If you think back to genesis in the garden god gave adam and eve everything they could have ever wanted and yet they took more they wanted more or you could even say they wanted what was good but too soon you know the the i think they were going to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil eventually you can argue on that i think they were supposed to get to that point eventually but god said not yet and so they rushed his timing. Good things never happen when you rush God's timing. <laughs> they tried to grasp for more than they were. The serpent said to them, you will be like God. Or you could even say gods. It's the, it's the Hebrew word Elohim. It's plural. It means gods. You'll be like a supernatural being. You'll be like something more than what you are. Well, the funny thing is, Genesis, God said he already created them in his image. God himself created them in the image of God. They couldn't have more than what they already were, but they grasped for it. Jesus didn't do that. In fact, with his power, with his authority, with his position, he humbled himself. And he became less. Unity is the product of submission. Unity is the product of submission. Now, submission's a fun word. We use that a little wrongly, if I can put it that way. Uh, we like to preach at the women and tell them you need to submit, right? Uh, I, I remember when I was, I was at the Wilds at, at camp, we had mandatory uh, choir. If you were a counselor, you had to sing in the choir. It was the only way I was getting in the choir. You know, you didn't have tryouts. You had to go in. And we had this song. It was a great song. Um, there, it was all about God's word. And there was one line in it or one paragraph, um, yeah, phrase, what's the, verse, thank you, thank you, there we go, a a verse that said, uh, submit to God's uh, transforming word inspired and therefore pure, and we split up the song where uh, the girls would sing one verse, the guys would sing one verse, so they would sing that particular verse, and as we were practicing, the the choir leader said, all right, on three, one, two, three, ladies, submit, and we all just burst out laughing, and he takes all right, yep, laugh it out. you know. And we, just, we couldn't sing for another five minutes. We had to work that out. But the, I will say the girls got the last laugh because the guy's verse started with the word mature, so they got to make fun of us for that. But we like to point out how the Bible says women need to submit when we forget that just a verse earlier in Ephesians 5, Paul told all of us to submit to each other. In fact, just a little side note, because I want to have fun here. The Bible only tells women twice to submit, and both of the times it says to their own husbands. The emphasis is on the husband part, not on the woman part. It's not because you are a woman you have to submit. It is you don't have to submit to every single guy out there. You submit to your own husband. Because in that Greek society they were in, all men would try to dominate women. It didn't matter if it was your wife or not. You could tell her what to do. And so Paul was saying, no, 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 that's not the point. You listen to your own husband. Those other people can go do their own thing. So it's not actually limiting women. It's, telling, it's, it's letting them say no to guys who don't have authority in their lives. Just a little side note for you. But we are all to submit to each other. You say, what does that look like? Because too often we think that means that we have to give up everything, right? They we say, well, submit, they, should, they should submit and be okay with uh, not having this kind of music or not doing this kind of thing. You know, we can take that too far. Because somewhere there is always someone who has a can I say higher or lower depending on how you look there's always going to be someone who has the next step of standard than you. You say, "Oh, well, they should just submit and be okay with uh, just the hymns here." Well, well there are some people who won't even sing hymns because they think that that's wrong. There are some people who won't even use a piano in church because they think the instruments are wrong. Now, I think that's a hard position to defend, but you know, if you, how far do you go with this? All right, you know, uh, you, should, you should submit and have your, your uh, skirt only go to your knee. Well, there are women who think it should only go to the ankle. How far do we want to go with this? That's not the point that you have to submit to every single person out there. It's a matter of respecting other people's wishes around you. And by the way, that goes both ways. A lot has changed in the last 10 years, and sometimes, People who like the change say, well, you just gotta submit and get used to it. Well, you know, it goes the other way too. If you like the Myron worship songs and we're singing more hymns, guess what? You need to submit to that too. Submission is a two-way street. It's a matter of us getting out of the way of God. And it doesn't mean that we all have to agree on everything. Did you you actually think about this? Unity implies the fact that there's something to disagree about. (laughs) Because if we're unified, it implies that we have to give up something to agree with the other person on. Unity does not equal uniformity. Can I say that again? Unity does not equal uniformity. Uniformity is, we all say, the exact same thing. That's called a cult. You should run. Unity is that we are all agreeing in our general message. I think Rich used the illustration a few weeks ago, the piano, uh, where he basically said, uniformity is everyone playing the exact same note. Unity is playing the same chord. A chord is not the same note. It's notes that work well together. And if you're all playing the exact same note, that's clones. Okay, We don't need that. Differences are good but you need to be willing to respect the people around you as well. Your unity with others is directly proportional on how you understand your unity with God. Because people are the image of God. So if you have problems with people, don't expect God to be okay with that. Because they're his image. If you had a a high schooler who was getting ready to go to college, and a college representative came to them and did an interview, and they were just nasty with that guy, cursed him out, said, I don't care what you think, get out of here. Do you think the college is going to accept them? (laughs) Probably not. Well, they weren't rude to the college, were they? They were just rude to the representative. They say, well, yeah, he represents the college. Like, you can't do that then why do we sometimes think that God is going to be okay when we have animosity against other people, his representatives, his image? Don't be going to God expecting everything to be okay if you have something against another human being. You can't truly be unified with them until you understand your unity with God on the flip side the more you, you can live that out. The more you can understand, the more you can live it out. You know, No matter how 2022 goes, good or bad, we will find things to fight about. <laughs> I don't care if, if COVID is completely off the table by the end of the year, we will find something else to fight about. I don't care if we're not talking about uh, David Chappelle or CNN or Cuomo anymore, you'll find something new to fight about, I promise. I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about life in general. But the life-changing fact is that God pursued unity with you in creation and through his son. So what are you going to do about it? Well, I would challenge you, since God pursued unity with you, choose only those actions that will further unity with others. That is your choice this year. You have a path in front of you this year, a a fork in the road. You can make the common choice of humanity, which is to choose your own way, to put your own desires, your own demands, first, because we all have them. We all have things that we think should be done. That's not bad, but are you going to demand that? Are you going to put that first, like Adam and Eve? Or are you going to take the path of the second Adam, the path of Jesus, the path that he set before you and the example he set before that Paul wrote about in Philippians 2, of setting all that aside and being a servant? Church, I don't know what is ahead for this year. I don't. But I can guarantee you there are going to be some things that you don't like and some things I don't like because <laughs> we're people. People. But what are you going to do about it? Unity doesn't mean you have to agree with everything that's done. In fact, it doesn't even mean that you don't speak up about it. That's kind of the point of our being a church. We're not, not pastor-run. We're not even deacon-run. We are people. <laughs> we are God's church. We are the church. Unity doesn't mean that. But it does mean that we need to work together to see his kingdom go forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you, you have given us a great blessing in wanting to be with us. I still kind of scratch my head at that, especially since we uh, we re-gifted your gift. <laughs> We tried to return it. We handed it back to you at the garden. And and so many times throughout most days, I I hand it back to you too. Lord, I pray for, for my friends here and for myself that this year and even starting today, we would make choices that set our own preferences aside and that would keep your mission, your kingdom first. Lord, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and the discernment to know when we are supposed to uh, submit, when we are supposed to talk, uh, when we are supposed to speak up, when we are supposed to stand, when we are supposed to follow, when we are supposed to lead. Lord, I pray for this church that you would strengthen it and, and that unity would be a word that would describe it in this year and in the years to come. Thank you for it, Lord, in your son's name. Amen.
0: Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcasts or Google Play Store.